It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning Welcome to Getting Up Early with us. Get ready to get hit with a little bit of a cold as you leave your abode and get ready for your work day or school day. It is under 50 degrees, and it feels pretty good if you like the cold. If not, you are in for what would be the opposite of a treat. A trick, as they say, as we are in that season. We welcome you in the Sports 56 morning on mornings on this cold Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend. Lots to talk about from the world of sports. It's the Monday, October 16th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Yes, the world's biggest spa sale continues It's back and bigger than ever, up to 30% off in-stock spas and swim spas. Free upgrades on all in-stock spas, 24 months, same as cash available. If you haven't gotten over there, get on over, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. The first hour of the program also brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. As I said, cold start to your Monday, and it's going to continue to be pretty cold today. Right now, we're looking at 48 degrees, a high today of only 66, but that should feel pretty darn good. Intervals of clouds and sunshine. Tonight, generally fair with a low of 48, and then tomorrow, partly cloudy skies with a high of 69. On the program today, Barrett Salee will join us at 825 to talk college football. We'll take your calls and texts on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901 360-8255. You can also hit us up via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or send us a comment, a question, a concern to the website, sportsmemphis.com. Talking plenty of college football, the Tigers falling on Friday against Tulane. We'll take a look at the NFL week number six, the Grizzlies with another preseason game yesterday. Uh, All kinds of great stuff today on the program. So again, be a part of it or just kick back, relax, enjoy, and listen up. Hope you had a good weekend. How are you? I'm fantastic. Did have a good weekend, a little chilly weekend, but it was a it was a good weekend nonetheless. And uh, yeah, it's a, uh, I never was up north a little bit up in the St. Louis area. Mm-hmm. Never, never saw sixty degrees. Spent a lot of time outside, and the wind was blowing like twenty twenty five mile an hour. It was a uh, it was a chilly chilly weekend out of the golf course. I will say that. So you were in the fifties, and then with the wind chill, probably toward the lower end of the fifties. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was chilly, and there was no. Yesterday we had some sun. Uh, Saturday no sun whatsoever. It mm-hmm. was uh, yeah, so it was a. Oh, I am not ready, not ready for that yet. <laughs> I, it kind of hit I, us quickly, didn't I it? Am, I'm, I'm, I need the uh, I need my seventies and eighties back. I don't. I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. Here's the thing. You know, I know. We've lived here long enough. Zach certainly knows that. Just when you think, okay, now it's cold. Now the fall's here. Finally, you'll get a week of nineties. It's still going to happen. You know you're still going to get that warm weather pop in there every once in a while. But, uh, yes, the turning, the changing of the guard, if you will, as we get closer and closer to Halloween. Mr. Boyd, how was your weekend? Weekend was busy as usual, but, I mean, 
Nothing to complain about. Good. There is nothing to complain about. I, right now, life's good. It's a unlike, good time of the year. Unlike Eli, I kind of like this weather. I like the crispness of No, I like that. He I hates it. I don't like this at all. I don't want Me, this. Me. Yes. We're together, Zach, because I absolutely... You, you go outside. Yesterday, or, or Saturday, rather, I walked outside and just, like, breathed it in. It just felt so good. Clean, clear, crisp. The bugs weren't flying around. You weren't sweating to death with the humidity. I love it. Now, I don't like 30 degrees. Don't get me wrong. But upper 50s, 60s, I'll take that any day of the week. Get to the 40s, 30s, then, okay, we're talking about a different tune here. <laughs> All right, so. Give me, give me 75 as a minimum. I'm not complaining about 75, but even upper 70s, when it gets really, really humid, can be sticky and sweaty. I just don't like going out there and sweating. That's the whole thing. I hate the humidity. But again, we can't we can't change it. There's nothing we can do. We just have to face the elements like everybody else and and deal with it. But I always think that this time of the year is the, really the best time of the year. Sports-wise, everything. I mean, everything is coming together. You think about October. We have the Major League Baseball playoffs are getting closer to the World Series. For hockey fans out there, the hockey season has started. NFL in full swing, college football in full swing, soccer, even soccer, USL fans, the Memphis 901 FC squad getting ready for the postseason. Now, golf is in their kind of their silly season, but it's technically what, the start of the new year? Is that what it is now? Technically the new season. So No, not now. This is this is, this is still the silly season. Well, this is what guys people are earning their cards for. Okay, but but you got that. If you care about that, you got that going on. So you got a tournament every week. NASCAR is getting close to the final race, so they're down to the final few races. So NASCAR fans out there, what am I missing? I mean, it, it just seems like there's everything in the oh, and the NBA, of course. We're right around the corner from the start of the regular season. The Grizzlies played their fourth of five preseason games yesterday, so it all comes together in October. Just an amazing time. Of the year. Uh, so we'll start with what came first chronologically, and that was Friday night's game between the Tigers and the Tulane Green Wave on the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium turf. And unfortunately for the Memphis Tigers, they come up empty. They fall to Tulane 31 to 21 in front of a very good crowd. Announced at 35,609. They were loud. They were into it. They showed up. No matter how they got their tickets, they were there. And the Tigers, at one point in the third quarter, after taking the ball and scoring on the first drive of the third, led 21-10. to 10. And all was right in the world for Tigers fans. And then Tulane, they showed everyone, everyone why they are the best team in the American Conference and arguably the best team in the group of five. They certainly were last year going to the Cotton Bowl and winning. They scored 21 unanswered to end it. And again, they win to improve to 5-1 and one overall. Their only loss, a tough loss to Ole Miss without Michael Pratt. The Tigers, with a big chance to make a statement, fall flat, losing 4-2. to two, Excuse me, falling to fall 4-2 and two after losing to the Green Wave. The Tigers' two losses, look, at Missouri... Missouri is really good. They're a top 25 team. 2-2 lane, the defending conference champions. So nothing to get angry about as far as who they lost to. But certainly Tigers fans, I can understand them being upset because you get these opportunities only once in a while to make a huge statement on national TV, of course, and you come up short. 
yeah, it's, you know, it, it was a weird game because obviously Tulane jumps out to the 10 nothing lead and it's like, oh gosh, um, this one this this one might get away early. Like last um, year, right? And then to respond the way the Tigers did, take the 21 to 10 lead, um, looking really good. Um, but then just after that offensively, um, not able to get it done, had a you know, few different chances on some third down situations defensively to get a stop and get off the field that they weren't able to do. Um, yeah, I mean Tulane is Tulane's good. They're 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 good. They're, there's no doubt about that. You know, the was worried about the Tigers' ability to run against Tulane's defense. They were not able to really run the ball, um, but there wasn't a ton of sacks either. There was pressure on Hennigan at times, but. You know, and, and Seth threw the two interceptions, but obviously the one mm-hmm. not even close to his fault. I mean, that's just a horrendous break for him. <laughs> I mean, I like even even Rock Taylor, when you drop a pass, you don't expect it to deflect perfectly to the defender like that. Um so certainly there was the, the opportunity was there. Anytime you have a eleven point second half lead, there's a there's a great opportunity to win a game, make a big statement, set yourself up, and but unfortunately weren't able to close this game. This is more like what we saw last year, an inability to close a game. And Ryan Silverfield still kind of looks for that signature win that will kind of get people off his back for a while. Yeah, he even admitted after the game that it was his biggest game as a coach. I mean, he acknowledged that. It's not like the Tigers played poorly. They didn't go in there and get their butts handed to him. It did not happen, but nobody's into moral victories. This was an opportunity. Now, They still have a chance to get to the conference championship game, but more than likely they're going to have to win the rest of their games. They get a chance to play SMU, which is good. They don't get a a chance to play UTSA. And while the Roadrunners struggled early in non-conference play, they did so without their quarterback, Frank Harris. They're back to playing the way they're capable of playing. They're undefeated in the conference. So there's obstacles, and that's a lot to ask for, to run through the rest of the schedule without a loss, without a blemish. There's six more games to go. It's it's doable with what the schedule looks like, but it's going to have to take 60 minutes of football. They haven't played one game yet this year where they played 60 good minutes of football. They got off to another slow start. As you mentioned, they're down 10-0. They have been behind their last four games. They were down 17-0 to Boise, came back, came back against Navy, against, against Tulane, down 10-0, came back, took the lead. They just couldn't hold the lead. As you said, the defense which at times was able to get to Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt's great, by the way. He is great. He's everything I thought he would be. He anticipates his receiver's cuts. He has the ball right there on top of them as soon as they make their turn. But he's tough as nails. Memphis hit him and hit him hard. And he just bounced up and made plays. But there was that one sequence on the one series when Memphis should have had an interception three different times. And they couldn't make the play. And that's the difference. Tulane makes the plays. You, you, you want to be the best? you got to beat the best, right, as Ric Flair said, and, and they weren't able to do that. So that's the disappointment. Not that they played horribly or there's that big difference, their big gap between Memphis and Tulane. I was looking at this this morning, USA Today, after each week of the college football season, they re-rank, their opinion, but they re-rank the 133 FBS schools. And I was curious to see where they would have Memphis. Tulane, by the way, they ranked them number 23. And Tulane is in the top 25 poll, the AP poll this week. They are in at number 23. So they have them at number 23 as well. They have Memphis at number 42. Memphis got a vote by the coaches. 
in the coaches' poll. So again, they're not that far off, but they're far enough off where they haven't been able to win that big game. They're going to go to Birmingham this Saturday. Birmingham, UAB. UAB at times this year has played well in Trent Dilfer's first year. But this past Saturday, they got hit pretty hard at San Antonio against UTSA and lost that game 41-20. to So, again, it's a game that Memphis should win even though it's on the road. But when we break down this game, Eli, you mentioned Hennigan, the two picks. One not his fault, but one was his fault. And Seth can't make those kind of mistakes against really good teams because if you give them extra possessions, as you know, they're going to cash in, and Tulane was able to do that. Memphis struggled running the football. Uh, I think a lot of people were perplexed about the Blake Watson situation. Uh, even I was. And I was talking with the throughout the game with the ESPN sideline reporter, and we were going back and forth going, is there an injury? Because I'm standing right behind Watson. He's got his helmet on. He's standing up. doesn't appear that way. And even in the postgame remarks by Ryan Silverfield, it wasn't clear whether it was an injury or ineffectiveness, but I don't understand. Watson's your guy. He's your mule. But they weren't going to get any yards running the ball. They had to do it through the air. Hennigan goes for 321, three touchdown passes. Again, he didn't play poorly, but he made a couple of mistakes. Pratt, 19 of 31, 259, a touchdown, no interceptions. Again, no interceptions being the key. So, again, is it a surprise? No. I mean, when I looked at the season going in in August, I thought they would be 4-2 and two at this point with losses to Missouri and Tulane. Yeah, it's you know, it, it certainly is not a surprise to lose to Tulane. I mean, it's it is um, they're really good. It, it's a tough matchup. Um, but when you got twenty one to ten lead in the second half, then you think, well, boy, we should should you, win. You should beat that team, right? I mean, if right. You, but and then you can't score a single point in the fourth quarter. It, it's so it's certainly frustrating for fans. There's no doubt because you know that opportunity's there. Um, again, for Ryan Silverfield, looking for kind of that signature win for his resume. This was a golden opportunity to get it. Um, in the Blake, I, I was like, because I was, I was watching the game and I didn't have the volume on where I was watching it. And I was like, I kept like, I'm like, I assumed he had gotten hurt. Like I was like, well, he must've gotten hurt. And I didn't see when he got hurt because, but then they would show him on the sideline with his helmet on and right. looking like he was ready to go in the game. And I'm like, I am completely confused as to what's going on right now, whether he's hurt, not hurt, or what the hell's going on and why he's not in the game. And the guy has been the feature part of your offense so far this season. He's been the best player on your offense so far this season. So that certainly is a little bit strange. There's no doubt about that. Um, And perhaps we'll get clarification today. Yeah, I I mean, I would assume, yeah, he'll be. Because, yeah, when I read the post-game remarks, I'm like, well, that that does that clears up literally nothing. Exactly, like it was it was there was nothing cleared up in the post games. So I yeah, I assume today at the press conference it'll be addressed some more. I don't know, but that um, yeah, and and yeah, they you know it, it's tough to run against Tulane. I said it last week at the Tiger. One team has been able to run the ball against them, and that was UAB. Yeah, Everybody it was, else wasn't even Ole Miss. Ole Miss couldn't Ole run. Ole Miss couldn't run it. Like, they are up front. They are good. They are aggressive. They are. You, it's really hard to run the ball against them. There's no doubt about that. So, um, but yeah, Hennigan played well. I mean, it, it, it's and again, it's just for the fourth quarter that defensive two lanes, which is good, uh, stepped up, made plays again. The Tigers had those opportunities to make some interceptions. They had they forced some third and long situations. That would have they had opportunities to get off the field and they weren't able to do it. Um, there were there were a lot of opportunities there uh, to to still win that game, and they weren't able to get it done. And then you got the whole 
Yes. Nut punt situation, yes. which I don't even like. I that's, and I am glad that Ryan Silverfield <laughs> was as demonstrative about that as he was. I mean that that is that is a ridiculous play move, whatever you want to call it. I, that is that is something that is absolutely ridiculous. Well, it, it's interesting. So I'm doing my job on the sidelines for our broadcast, and. Michael Pratt delivers the ball and gets drilled, right? So very quickly, Wolo comes down to me uh, because he sees the flag and he says, uh, you know, what did that hit look like? And I said, well, that hit was clean. That was an absolutely clean hit. I had no idea that going on was the extracurriculars with Andres Fox and the nut punch. I had no idea until I saw the replay. Again, I'm over there with this, uh, is it Paul Cancatera? Uh, who's just a great guy, the ESPN sideline reporter. So he brings me over to where they have their little monitor, and we're both watching it together, and I see it vividly, so I update that on our broadcast of what exactly happened. You can't have that. And Ryan Silverfield, give him, as you just said, give him a lot of credit. Man, he didn't step away from that. He took it on head on. I don't know what's going to happen to Fox. I, I think... There's a possibility he could be disciplined with a suspension by Ryan. He could be out of game. I, I don't think it's anything. It's it's pretty egregious, but it's not it's not something that you kick a kid off a team for. But you can't you can't condone that, and you won't condone that. You can't have that from your players. I don't know what got into this young man's head. He is a really good player, a really good player. He's had a good year, so hopefully they can get that all straightened out. I'm sure we'll hear more about that today. Yeah, I, I mean. You know, he, I, what Ryan said he was going to, it would be, he would be handled appropriately or something like right. that. And yeah, but there's, and I would think that there's a possibility the league does some sort of, I mean, again, like if we're suspending guys for, for a half of a game for, for target, an actual edit, you know, football play. Exactly. You, I mean, punching guys in the, in the jewels needs to be worthy of some sort of suspension. I mean, that does, you just can't allow that stuff to go on without more severe punishment than just being ejected for the rest of that game. No question about it. And I was wondering that, and we kept talking about it on the sideline. Is there a penalty? Will he miss time from a rule at UAB this Saturday because of that. Now, with the targeting, you miss, if it's in the first half, you miss the second half of that game. If it's in the second half, you miss the first half of the following game. I don't think there's anything in place as far as that. Uh, a shot to the family jewels. But I would imagine, like you said, either the American Conference will do something or maybe Ryan Silverfield will do something in-house to probably suspend him for a game. That's just a guess on my part. But yes, targeting, okay, when you're trying to go in and make a tackle and you unfortunately go helmet to helmet, more than likely they're going to call that targeting and you're going to get, as we said, ejected from the game. That doesn't even compare to purposely doing what he did. So we'll see what ends up happening as far as that's concerned. Now, the big picture, the big picture, 35000 and change for that game. Great crowd. Fans showed up. Where will those fans be in three weeks? On November 4th, the next home game against South Florida. Will two wins against UAB and North Texas bring out that type of fandom or have some of those fair-weathered fans who decided to go to the game now decide, eh, we, we've seen enough. The Tigers couldn't get over the hump against this big-time opponent. Because, again, if you beat UAB and you beat North Texas, 
you're sitting at six and two and would go three and one in conference play. They still have a great opportunity to get to the conference championship game. They can't have another blemish, I don't believe, in my opinion, with SMU, with UTSA, and obviously with Tulane. As far as the New Year's Six game, I think that is out of the mix now. I think that's that's not a possibility. Because even if you win the conference championship game, you'll have the two losses. I guess there's a, there's a little chance, but I don't think a two-loss team is going to represent the group of five in the New Year's Six. But as far as the conference championship is concerned, it's still very much alive. So again, for Tigers fans who are disappointed, two losses against Missouri in St. Louis, which really wasn't a neutral field, and against Tulane, the defending Cotton Bowl champions, is nothing, I think, to just say, oh, man, what this is horrible. The Tigers are awful. You, you should not. There's still a lot ahead of them, and it's still a very solid football team. The, uh, the comment, by the way, from Ryan Silverfield in the postgame when asked about Watson, um, he said, Blake may have been a little chipped up, and, you know, sometimes you get a feel. You look up at your guys and say, okay, do we need to make a sub there? I doubt it mattered who our running back was. We were pretty ineffective. Right. So <laughs> I don't even know what chip, chipped up really. Like, I don't, okay, he's a little, might have been a little chipped up. Okay. <laughs> but then also saying like, uh, sometimes you just get a feel, you look at a guy and you think you need to make a sub. So like that's, make, makes me think he really wasn't injured. You just looked at it and thought he's not whatever, he for whatever reason, he's not go, doing well tonight. So we're taking him out. But then you also say, I don't really think it matter who our running back is. Because we right. were, we're, we're, so it's like, it was like three different things. Like, okay, he might have been a little hurt, but I also might have just looked at him and decided we needed to make a sub. But it also might not have mattered who the hell the running back was anyway, because we couldn't run the ball. So I don't, like, it was like three different answers to one thing, and it clears up nothing about the Blake Watson situation. I'm not able to watch a million guys at once on the sideline, but I, I, I really try as much as I can to watch guys come off the field, to see if anybody goes into the tent, to see what they are when they go to the bench, when the offense goes out and the defense comes in, or vice versa. I'm looking to see if anybody's hobbling. I'm looking to see if any of the trainers come over there. Uh, I, I do my due diligence as far as working the sidelines. I did not see anything with Blake Watson. Nothing. I did not see anything. Double checked with ESPN. What are you reporting? What do you got? And they said, we got nothing. We just think he was taken out for ineffectiveness, which again, you question because he is your bell cow. But yes, I don't think they were going to get much running the ball against Tulane, but still it was very odd. Then you had, now we knew Brandon Thomas could get some action because we had, uh, we got that note in the coaches meetings. He basically has jumped over Jay Ducker for third on the depth chart, but it is what it is. Again, we'll find out more today at the press conference on on the situation with Blake Watson. But they're going to need Blake Watson. If they're going to go on a run, they need Blake Watson. He has been fantastic. And we'll find out more about Fox and that situation. But again, uh, a very uh, a disappointing loss. It wasn't a, a disastrous performance by any stretch of the imagination. It was a great crowd. It's just unfortunate that, that Ryan wasn't able to get that big-time win right there when they had that opportunity. And... Uh... For those who did not see or hear what he had to say about the the Fox situation. Uh, the Foxtrot, as they like to call that's it. That's inexcusable. That is not us. Mm-hmm. I am very, very, very disappointed in the individual that did that. He will be handled appropriately. 
My apologies to our fans. My apologies to Tulane for that BS move on our part, and we will get that fixed. There's no room for that in college football. There's no room for that in the Memphis program. That makes me sick to my stomach more than anything. Yeah, I I like how he immediately stepped up. Now, again, you also want, hopefully, behind closed doors, while he's going to decide to discipline or do whatever, that he still supports the young man. Don't don't throw this kid out to the to the wolves. He made a mistake, um, and hopefully that's the case. Now I don't know what else goes on behind closed doors with the players, and you know if any players are problems or not. All I know is that guy on the field is really good, and, and Memphis could ill afford to lose him. But again, we'll get more clarification today. Lawn Solutions is a locally owned weed control fertilization company that serves the greater Memphis area. Again, locally owned, family operated. They were over at my house uh, last week, it was, because they take care of your lawn all year long. Even though it's getting cold out now, they'll still be around the Mid-South. You'll see their vans as they come and they treat the, uh, the grass because what they want is when spring is sprung, weeds aren't sprung. There will be no weeds because of the treatment that they give the grass 12 months a year. These are called emergence. They apply these pre-emergence during the winter months and these post-emergence during the summer months to control the germination of weeds. They can take care of any diseases your lawn has, any insect infestation. That's what they do. They're not a lawn mowing service. They've been around a long time. They know what they're doing. Give Brandon a call. He's a great guy. He'll take care of you. 901-867-5626 or online at lawnsolutionsinc.net. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Everybody's As we kick off the new work week, school week, Craig Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. Family Leisure Studios, Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. If you want to talk a little bit about the Tigers game from Friday night or anything else in the world of sports, hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines. Open to you at 901-360-8255. The only guest we have scheduled on Monday is Barrett Salee. He'll join us at 825. And kind of to wrap up the, the Tigers discussion for the moment with the American Conference, the games from the weekend, UTSA all over UAB, 41-20. to That team is so good when Frank Harris is quarterback. He's been hurt a lot, but, man, when he is in there, they're really good. North Texas, Memphis will play them in two weeks. They buried Temple, 45-14. to Navy shut out Charlotte, 14-0. SMU from Thursday night beat East Carolina, 31-10. to They'll be coming to Memphis later this season. And Florida Atlantic pummeled South Florida 56-14 in Tampa. I thought USF had turned the corner, but the last couple of weeks against UAB and Florida Atlantic, apparently apparently they have not. And here's the thing, though, Eli. 
If you look at the standings right now, and it's very early, Tulane, SMU, Florida Atlantic, UTSA, all 2-0. and All those teams expected to be right there, along with Memphis, which is 1-1. Florida Atlantic, though, is the team that you got to worry about. Tom Herman is a very good head coach. Does he have enough Jimmys and Joes in his first year? They're 3-3 three and three overall, but again, they're 2-0. and Memphis doesn't play Florida Atlantic. They don't play UTSA, so they don't get that opportunity head-to-head against them. They do against SMU. Tulane plays UTSA at the end of the year, but I don't believe Tulane plays SMU. So Memphis is in a good situation. Not in a good situation. They're in a situation where they can still, I think, get to the conference championship game without help. But looking at this really closely, they may eventually need a little bit of help since they don't have those well, head-to-head they need games. help, obviously, because they don't, UTSA could go undefeated I mean, in the conference. They have to have help. Well, I'm thinking UTSA loses to Tulane, but you're right. Yes, so that would mean they would need help. Yeah, no, absolutely. They don't control their own destiny. They, they do. They, yeah, they, they have do to not. Have others yeah. lose games for them to get in. They do not control their own destiny. That's that's for certain. But again, you're going to get SMU. You're going to get them at home, but you're not going to get UTSA, and you're not going to get Florida Atlantic on your schedule. Uh, Drew texts in on the Sports 56 listener line, 901-360-8255, 901-360-8255. Says, Silverfield took over a Cotton Bowl team and got it to the point where it's acceptable to lose to Tulane two years in a row. Again, I, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are not happy with Ryan Silverfield and, and the job he's done. This would have been a huge win for him if he could have gotten it. Uh, but unfortunately, he did not, and I, that's I I I know there's a lot of vocal people out there who uh, do not like the job that Ryan Silverfield has done as head coach of the Tigers. Yeah, the question is, was Mike Norvell an anonym anonymously anonymously? What's the word? Anomaly. Anomaly. Was Mike Norvell lightning in a bottle? Look at what he's doing now at Florida State. Do they don't they don't come around the corner too often? Ryan Silverfield's a good. A good coach. He's a good um, game planner. He's a good X's and O's guy. I don't understand why this team continues to get off the slow starts. I don't get it. I don't understand that. But, I mean, Drew's not off base. He's not off base with what he's saying. And and people are entitled to their own opinion, and uh, I respect that. I do respect that. You're right. There's still those questions out there. But, again, is Norvell more the exception than the rule? That Memphis is more uh, a team that will certainly compete, but and is one of the better teams in the conference, but not at the top. Whereas Mike Norvell had him in a Cotton Bowl. Well, it, let's, I, the, 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 it's not to be compared. Mike Norvell is a great coach. I guess Mike Norvell. I why when he went to Florida State, I said I believe he will get them into the playoffs. Me too. Me too. Because I said he's the just same thing. he's that good. I think he's an offensive genius. Right. Um, and when he gets a quarterback, he is he's good. Like, and he's got one now. Um, there, he's just, he's that good now. And there, there are limitations, some limitations on this program based on even in comparison to teams in their conference based on NIL stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a different world now in college football than it was just a few years ago because of NIL and what your, what a program is capable of doing. There are even compared to programs within this conference. If you took away everything else, took away the NIL portion of everything else, you look at the new conference and you would absolutely say Memphis should have an opportunity to be the best or one of the best programs in the conference on a yearly basis. Um, NIL, there are some limitations there. But this team 
still in this new conference, should be competing to be in the conference championship game. They're still in line to do that. They, they still have a chance uh, to get in the conference championship game, certainly compete for that spot at the very least. But again, but there's also the side of, you see, we've seen this repeated thing of blowing second half leads over the last, you know, last year was a real problem. Mm-hmm. This year, um, this game right here, you're up 21 to 10, great opportunity on your home field with 11 point lead in the second half against the, a team that would be a huge win. You don't score another point. You hadn't lost to them at home since last you, century. There, there are, I, I, there's a lot of reasons to question things about Ryan Sofer. There is. He, and again, he needs that win. He needs that signature win and getting close against Missouri or playing this game. Like there's, that's not good enough. Like you've got to get those wins. He just hasn't been able to get them to this point. So I certainly can understand <laughs> the people who are critical. I can um, as well. I, no, I don't think anybody's going to get the program to where Mike Norvell had it. I just, it, I, it, it's going to be very difficult. And certainly you're not going to, you might get there again. Like you might go to one of those bowl games. You're not going to, it's not like you're going to get to that level and just maintain it. You're, that's well, impossible. Really at any group of five school to get to that level and maintain that level for years. Yeah, no question. And again, I, I understand where Drew was coming from with his, with his text. Uh, Tulane, the reason why Willie Fritz stayed when he had not only overtures, but I think he had an offer to go, to leave Tulane, is because they have committed financially to that program. And the collectives are able to put together enough revenue to be able to pay players, pay players what they think they deserve. And so Tulane is in a different position than than Memphis is. Memphis is doing the best they can. They need to do better. Tulane has surpassed them. We know SMU is way ahead, and SMU is moving on to the Atlantic Coast Conference. But with that said, you still need to get over the hump. You still need to get that signature win. You have to compete for a conference championship. And as we've been talking about, they still have an opportunity. Think about this. With the schedule they have, SMU really is the only team on that schedule that you look at and go, you know, that could be tough. That could be dicey. They're a really good team. Even though it's a roadie, you should beat UAB. You should beat North Texas. You should beat Charlotte. You should beat Temple. And you should beat South Florida They, at home. they will be, unless they start losing more games here, they will be favored at every game remaining. Every game, I would think, right? But, and if you do win, that's six more wins. You're four and two. That's ten and two. What do you what do you want if they do that? Now, if they go three and three down the stretch with that schedule, it's going to be incredibly disappointing. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be squawking. And I I can understand it. Yes, I can. Because Ryan said the bare minimum is is six and six. That's you know, for that's that's the bare minimum, and that's not good enough. That's mediocrity. This team, there's no reason why this team this year, this team isn't winning minimum eight games. They're good enough, and they have the schedule that's conducive to doing so. Now they got to go out and do it. It's not the end of the world with the loss to Tulane. It's just disappointing that they had a chance to get this big win and for him to get the signature win. And I understand the, uh, the idea that you're for fans to think that Tulane has surpassed us, is disappointing. Like is it, it's a team that hadn't beaten you here since in 25 years, right? Like, and so the idea, like, we just have to we admit now that Tulane is a better program than us. 
I can understand where that's very difficult for yeah, people but, to, to, to come to grips with that reality. But right now, Tulane is just a better program than Memphis is. Yeah, wake up, Sugar Plum. They've surpassed Memphis in football. They're not, they haven't in basketball, but they have in football. They have right now, at this very moment. Doesn't mean it can't change again, but they have. They've put the money in. They love their coach. That's why he stayed. Memphis is really battling uphill with collectives, with the NIL. Another texter says, James Madison could beat us. It's a coaching problem. So James Madison might be the best best team in the group of five. They just can't play for it. Uh, what a shame. I mean, they're they're really, really good. But, they, they are. Um, again, I, Isn't that where I, Rick I'm Shearer not, came I, from? I'm not here to defend Ryan Silverfield. I, get, I, I understand it. Um, do I think he's been terrible? I don't think he's been terrible. Do I think he's been great? No. I think he's done an average job. Um, and I can understand where, folks, average isn't good enough. And yeah. I can, again, I can understand disappointment with the reality that you've been surpassed by the Tulane program. The rest of this year, uh, you know, the SMU game will be a big game. You lose to SMU at home, um, that's going to that's gonna go to a lot of people stirring as far as that is concerned. Again, the rest of them, if you lose any of those, that's bad because the, none of those teams are really any good. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, SMU's the only really decent team you play the rest of the way, but you've got them at home. Again, you'll be favored in that game. So, I, I mean, I, yeah, I would say there's a lot of people out there that would say, listen, if you don't win out, it's going to be very disappointing. So, um, it's a, it, it, you're going to be favored in every single one of them. So, you, you could easily make the argument that you should win out. Now, will they do that? We shall see. But, yeah, it's, we said at the beginning of the year, it's really hard to find losses on that schedule. Mm-hmm. You knew Missouri. You knew Tulane. Boise State is clearly not anywhere as good as Boise State has been in the past. As boy, they lose boy again. did they blow one the so other they, day. So they're huh? like the Boise yeah. State win in the end will look very thoroughly like nothing really you beat them at home like that's a good team that's going to lose probably five four or five games at least the way it's looking so mm-hmm. um you, he, he still needs that win to get people on his back and smu won't provide that smu's not that win he doesn't have a chance for that signature win this year unless they get into the conference championship game and win that that's the only way he's getting that win this year that m- will get people off his back yeah i agree because even 10 and 2 they'll go so what, 10 to 2, beating who? <laughs> SMU. If your best win is SMU at home, that ain't satisfying people. Yes, but I don't want to hear it if they go 10 and 2 from fans going, we need a coaching change. If your team goes 10 and 2, you play the games that are on the schedule. So, yes, he wouldn't have a signature win unless he won the conference championship. And if they get to the conference championship and they lose, I still think that's a lot of success. Getting to the championship game is what is the goal of this team. And if they can get there, then you've reached your goal. Genesis Diamonds, it's a game changer here in Memphis. More selection, higher quality, extreme value. Prices like you've never knew existed when it comes to jewelry, when it comes to fine jewelry. Engagement rings, folks. If you're thinking about popping the question here anytime soon, of course, the holidays just around the corner. Maybe you're thinking about getting engaged. Well, if you want to find that perfect ring at an amazing price, go see the folks at Genesis Diamonds. But beyond the engagement rings, which they have a massive, massive selection of other Diamond earrings and pendants and bracelets and colored gemstone jewelry. 
the pre-owned Rolex watches. It's just a massive selection of everything when you go see the folks at Genesis Diamonds, and the prices will blow you away. Direct importer prices, taking out the middleman, they save you money on absolutely fantastic, beautiful, fine jewelry at Genesis Diamonds. And they've got great people to serve you when you are there as well, because they're not working on commission. They're not there to pressure you. They are there to educate you. Go check out the amazing selection, the amazing prices, and the great service you get at Genesis Diamonds in the Poplar Common Shopping Center at Poplar and Perkins Extended. You'll be thanking me for this one. Don't buy anywhere else until you go see the folks at Genesis Diamonds. Just scratching the surface here on this Monday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. We'll talk Grizzlies. We'll talk NFL. We'll talk Major League Baseball playoffs. All that coming up. Plus more college football. The SEC right around the corner. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I got a little change in my pocket going Quiet Saturday for SEC schools as both Ole Miss, or Quiet Saturday in the Magnolia State, I should say, as both Ole Miss and Mississippi State had bye weeks, but there was still plenty of action in the SEC, including the Tennessee Volunteers knocking off Texas A&M 20-13. Big defensive play, big special special teams plays for Tennessee. D. Williams, the 39-yard punt return for a touchdown, and the Vols get the Aggies. Another loss for Jimbo Fisher. Gosh. Yeah, and uh, they didn't have to worry about putting this on to Joe Milton. Uh, he didn't have to do much at all. Uh, they were able to run the ball very well against that Texas A&M defense, which I, that surprised me, but Jalen Wright had the big game. Um, and then Texas A&M offensively with Max Johnson is just, um, we'll say limited. He's just not, he's not good enough for them. Um, so their defense puts, gets as good as their defense is and can be. Um, it's they're, they're put in some tough situations because their offense is not good. Well, Connor Wegman's better, but I, I still don't know if, if they go in with him and, and beat Tennessee in Knoxville. Again, that Aggies defense is really good. But Jimbo Fisher, look, I understand he has a national championship from Florida State. I understand that he'll always have that in his back pocket. But this has to be one of the worst managerial, one of the worst head coaching hires as far as the contract is concerned. Not hiring him. I understand them hiring that guy. But the contract they gave him and the results that they have gotten do not equate. It is a horrible, horrible contract that they got with Jimbo Fisher. He has not come to the table. He's been incredibly disappointing. I, I tweeted this out. I mean, the Mel Tucker deal with Michigan State is horrible, but Mel Tucker ruined it because of off-the-field indiscretions. On the field, they weren't playing great here recently, but Mel Tucker, who I liked as a coach at Colorado, I thought maybe can get it going for Michigan State, which is extremely tough when you're dealing with Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State in the same damn division. Now you're bringing in teams from the Pac-12. But the point is, Jimbo Fisher's all about on-the-field performance from his team. They're 4-3 and three again. They're mediocre. Texas A&M should not be mediocre with all the money and resources they put into that program. No, they, it's... You know, again, they, they, 
They haven't been able to get a quarterback, which is inexcusable in this world of transfer portal and everything else. They should have a quarterback, a really good quarterback there. You know, they had these great recruiting classes. It's paying off on the defensive side of the ball, but it is not paying off on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you go into Tennessee and hold them to 20 points, you should win that game. Right. In college football today, you hold a team to 20 points, you should be able to win that game. Um, and they're just not good enough. And again, they're at a backup quarterback. But, but yeah, I don't This not like Connor Wegman is some unbelievable Heisman mm-hmm. candidate quarterback. Right, right. Um, but Max, he's better than Max Johnson. I don't know whether he wins that game or not, but they're just – they are just not good enough offensively, um, even with that great defense. Alabama wins again, but they barely hang on to beat Arkansas at home. 24-21. K.J. Jefferson, a couple of touchdown passes. Milrow had a couple of touchdown passes for Alabama. I think Milrow is solidly their their quarterback. They're just There's something amiss with Alabama. They're, they're good. They're really good. They're not great. They're not a top four or five team. It's obviously reflected in the standings. But... Arkansas, nobody's in the moral victories. They had an opportunity. I just, again, it's an Arkansas team that continues to lose, and it's an Alabama team that's winning, but still not looking great in winning. Yeah, and, and Arkansas, Arkansas is just good enough to keep games close. Like, I feel like this is, they just keep playing these close games. They can't find a way to win it. Um, Alabama is, yeah, Alabama, Milrow in that second half, I mean, it was awful. Like, couldn't complete a pass in the second half. It was what one for nine? I think it, I don't even. I can't remember what it ended up in the second half. But he was one for nine at one point, I believe, in the second half. They yeah, he's still their best option. They couldn't do anything offensively. Mm-hmm. But Arkansas just not good enough offensively to you know be able to put together enough drives to score to, to win the game. It's Arkansas. I feel bad for Sam Pittman because I know they're they're turning on him and. All they do is they just they play close games. They can never, but they just can't get over the hump and win any of these close games. Other results from the SEC: Georgia kind of slept walk through the first uh, quarter, first half of that game at Vandy, but end up winning thirty-seven twenty. Although Brock Bowers left ankle injury, hopefully not serious. Kirby Smart said he doesn't believe it is. Florida outscored South Carolina forty-one thirty-nine in a wild one. And then LSU all over Auburn, 48-18. to Jaden Daniels, 20 of 27, 325, three touchdowns and an interception. He is phenomenal. And if Auburn falls behind with the offense they have, there's no chance for them to catch up. So that one, once it got out of hand, you knew that one was over. And then Missouri rallies from a 14-0 deficit against Kentucky to win in Lexington, 38-21. to Mizzou's only loss was that game against LSU, which they could have easily won. This is a very, very good Mizzou team. That's why I said, again, with the Memphis Tigers fans, you lost by a touchdown in St. Louis to Mizzou and lost to Tulane. So it's not the end of the world, although, again, for the reasons we talked about earlier in the show, I can understand disappointment. But any of those games stand out to you in the SEC? Uh, Well, the LSU-Auburn game was what everybody expected. LSU's weakness is their pass defense, but Auburn's just not good enough. Uh, throwing the football to exploit that. They're one of the few teams that just isn't good enough even to exploit that terrible pass defense. Um, Missouri, like, listen, I mean, Eli Drinkwitz needed a good year. Yep. And he's having a good year. They're a fun um, team to that's, watch. You know, Brady Cook was really good. You know, they, they dig that hole early and then just came storm back. And Devin Leary is... It's bad. Like he's he's bad. 
<laughs> he's not even he's not even average. He's been bad for Kentucky. And I thought he was a great pickup when it happened. A lot of people did. Yeah, I never liked him at NC State, but he was everybody was you know, and he has just not done at all. No, what was expected no. of him there, and now you know, obviously Kentucky back to back losses, and maybe you know, are they the the we didn't, they weren't as good as what we thought. You know, just because he beat up on Florida doesn't mean a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But up fourteen nothing, you're not expected to then lose thirty eight to twenty one. Exactly, <laughs> that, that, that thing got away from them in a hurry. But um, and hell, and Luther Burden only had two catches in the game. Wow! If you hold him to two catches, you expect to beat Missouri. Still score thirty eight without him being yeah. a factor. I mean, it was it's it's crazy the way that happened. But uh, yeah, it's um, and then the but Jaden Daniels, dude, that dude, he's great. He is so fun to he's, watch. He's playing so well, like in every week. Yeah, if that defense wasn't so terrible, but they would, but you know, he's got to overcome that. But that dude, every single week, is just playing out of his mind. I mean, two of my favorite guys to watch this year in college football are Michael Penix and Jaden Daniels. Just electric. Yeah, there's no doubt. This hour of our program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. Located at the corner of White Station and Quince. When it comes to whatever it is that you need, whether they're a huge paint selection, anything for outdoor this time of year, the leaves start falling, you got a new leaf pickup, well, they've got you taken care of there. Any of those do-it-yourself projects that you're looking to get done, they've got your supplies for you. And, of course, the Big Green Egg. They're a platinum dealer with a Big Green Egg. All the egg accessories, everything you need, they've got it right there for you at Ace Hardware, including all the different sizes of the Big Green Egg that you can go check out there, right there on display at the East Memphis Ace Hardware. Go to the corner of White Station and Quince, East Memphis Ace Hardware. They bring you hour number one of our program. All right, hour number two of the program is coming up. We'll uh, continue to take your calls and texts at 360-8255 on the Sports 56 listener lines. We're going to turn our attention to the national scene in college football. Barrett Salee will join us. Then the NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs. We'll talk Grizzlies as well. It's all coming up as we continue here on Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.